Engaging Leader Episode 211, Breaking Through Barriers, featuring Dave Sherna. Brought to you by the team at Workforce Communication. Find out more at workforcecommunication.com. Leadership inspire trust, passion, and action? Welcome to the Engaging Leader Podcast with Jesse Leahy, consultant, writer, and speaker. Jesse has helped executives engage hundreds of thousands of people. Join us now for principles to communicate, engage, and lead with greater impact. Welcome to the show, Engagers. What barriers do you face? Whether in our personal lives, at work, or in our communities, we all face challenges that can prevent us from reaching our full potential. And the same is true for those you lead. My good friend Dave Sherna joins me to discuss tips from his book about breaking through barriers of all types and how to be a servant leader, helping break barriers for other people too. Dave is executive director of the nonprofit organization No Barriers, which he co-founded in 2012, along with Julie Dubin and Eric Weinmayer, who you might remember was the first blind person to summit Mount Everest. Do you remember all those uh, wonderful billboards we've been seeing for years with the theme, Pass It On? Eric's was one of the first that I remember noticing back in the early 2000s as the first blind person to reach the summit of Mount Everest. Very cool. Anyway, Dave is also the co-founder of the brand new book, What's Within You? Your Roadmap to Living Life with No Barriers. By the way, Dave is one of my oldest and favorite friends. Back from my college days, we both attended the greatest university of Cincinnati, Ohio, Xavier University. And I remember that in addition to being smart, fun, and trustworthy, Dave was authentic and purpose-driven. I mean, even as a as a freshman in college, he really stood out in that way. And so it was no surprise that his career has focused on nonprofit leadership and social entrepreneurship. Dave, welcome to Engaging Leader. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm thrilled to be here. Dave, tell me the story of how you came to know Eric Weinmayer. Well, Eric and I are the founders of the nonprofit organization that I run called No Barriers, and we met. Way back in the early 2000s, Eric Weimar is the first blind man to climb Mount Everest. He went on to reach the seven summits, and he did that in 2001. And uh, after his climb of Everest, he came down from the mountain, and his lead guide said, don't let Everest be the greatest thing you've ever done. And so Eric was searching for ways to make a difference beyond the extraordinary thing he had accomplished by showing the world what was possible for a blind man. And we connected uh, really quickly over a cup of coffee in Colorado where we both were living and discussed how we both thought it was really important to uh, help young students, uh, kids in middle and high school, uh, sort of shift the lens and the perspectives they had on life and, and what they had possible. And so we started working together pretty soon after his Everest climb and, and built this organization from the ground up. So you're, you're reaching out to young people at that time. You and Eric had that vision for reaching out to young people, but you were pretty young yourself. I mean, you, you would have been less than 10 years out of college. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I, I was, I was pretty young. I had actually, uh, after grad school went and helped start another nonprofit organization with a, a family. And so I had kind of cut my teeth and gotten used to how that all works. And, um, then, um, decided it was time to start something of my own and, and quit my job and said, I'm just going to go do it. 
And so you and Eric and what's your third co-founder's name? Uh, Julie Dubin. Julie, yes. So you guys worked together right from the beginning? Yeah, we worked together from the early years. Um, and there were a bunch of other great folks involved in those early years. So let me back up and give us an overview of what No Barriers does. Okay, great. Yeah, so No Barriers, uh, we are a nonprofit organization. And uh, what we do is we help people who are dealing with challenges. And in truth, that's all of us. We all have some challenge that we're dealing with. And we help people reframe how they think about the adversities in front of them so that they can break through them and really thrive and grow. And so what's interesting about No Bearers, if you think about nonprofits that serve veterans or that serve kids or that serve cancer survivors, oftentimes they're very population specific. But for our organization, we are serving what we believe is something that's common to all of humanity all over the globe, which is that we all face challenges and that we all crave lives of purpose. And so our organization provides programming for people who are trying to live that life they dream of, but at some point kind of run into a roadblock and we help them navigate that roadblock and unleash that potential within. So if I were to attend a No Barriers event, I, would, I wouldn't feel out of place even though I'm a, I'm a middle-aged, middle-class white guy with no, <laughs> no physical handicaps, only internal uh, messiness. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's a great <laughs> question. Yeah, well, I'm a middle-aged white guy with no physical handicaps as well. And so I think sometimes when, because I started the organization with someone who was blind, who's an extraordinary individual, and we do serve a lot of people with disabilities, people get a little bit confused. Well, is this for me? Well, in fact, the majority of the people we serve by far are folks who don't, you don't look at them and see a physical disability. So uh, you would certainly fit in, you would, uh, you would learn and grow just like the rest of us who are facing challenges in our lives. So it's not limited to disability. It's not, we work with folks who are facing the loss of loved ones that are dealing with some sort of disease, but we also work a lot with companies around the world to help teach their employees how to kind of tap into that that leadership light inside of us that wants to lead from within, lead from a purpose-centered approach. So it's it's definitely for you. I, I would love to have you at an event, Jesse. Yeah, I would love to love to participate. I actually was just thinking like, I think I need what he's talking about. <laughs> <laughs> Give me some examples of like some of the challenges that people might have. Okay, yeah. Well, um, we, work in a lot of different populations where the challenges are, are pretty varied. So for example, with our corporate clients, we work with companies who are trying to teach leaders to take a kind of a whole person approach to their leadership, bringing mm-hmm. well-being into the workplace and trying to lead from both the heart and the head. And our work gets leaders tapping into that kind of purpose-centered approach to leadership. So we have companies that hire us for that. We also have companies who are dealing with great adversity, which many companies are dealing with right now in light of COVID, who are trying to help their employees figure out how to manage through the chaos and uncertainty and ambiguity of of all that they're facing. So we have that at the company level, but then just kind of to switch gears and completely different space, we work with veterans who uh, have some form of disability. Uh, Most of them do not have a visible physical disability, although we do work with veterans who have that. A lot of them have traumatic brain injuries, are dealing with trauma in their lives, are dealing with addiction. 
Um, we work with kids from tough urban communities who may be uh, you know, living in communities where there are violence and poverty. Uh, we work with kids in upper income communities who may be dealing with a lot of the social and emotional challenges that we face as we're growing up. And so you can kind of see it does run the gamut um, of all different kinds of challenges. And I think one of the beauty, beautiful things about the organization that we started is that you know, we do believe that our barriers unite us, uh, that we all face challenges in life, and it is something that we should learn from together and grow with each other as we're going through them. And we also believe that we all want to kind of live this life of purpose and meaning. And the, the members of our community, the tens of thousands of people in our community are all on that kind of quest to live a life of purpose and meaning despite how hard it is. So I, I know a bit of Eric's story. And I know you from being good friends back in college. And, and I, I know, you know, your dad's a bit of your background learning from your dad as well. But what is there anything from your story that led you to this specific place of service? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I grew up, as you know, uh, in Chicago, and both my parents had careers of service. So my father was a community organizer on the west side of Chicago and involved in uh, some of the big citywide campaigns over his long career to help people in some of the most impoverished and uh, violent communities in Chicago. And so I grew up going to those events with him and being a part of those communities and just saw and was taught to live a life of service from him. And my mom was a nurse and went on into hospital administration. But I think I, I took from an early age this idea that our lives and our careers are, uh, are all about giving back to others uh, in whatever ways that we can. And so I think that that foundation served me well. And then um, I, I think that the path that I took specifically started with a passion for working with youth and believing that kids at a young age need to have a transformative experience that gives them direction. But as I was in that work with youth for many years, uh, a lot of adults were coming to me and saying, hey, we need, we need an opportunity for direction as well. And we need an opportunity to reflect on uh, how to get through the challenges we're facing. And as we started to add more and more communities, I think that um, you know, I just kind of came to realize that this, this work we, was, we were doing was not um, really limited to any one population, but was really part of the human experience. Um, and that's something that... Uh, I, I talk about in the, the book that we're releasing, uh, which is called What's Within You, which is that these principles that we teach are not unique to no, to no barriers. Uh, they have been talked about since you know, the beginning of civilization, beginning of humanity. Some of the greatest philosophers and religious leaders have explored these questions of how do we live lives of purpose and how do we deal with adversity? Um, and so I think it, it evolved beyond that early years of just learning to serve others and learning to serve youth to being something that was about serving everyone who uh, wanted to live a certain kind of life but was struggling to do so. Yeah, I'd like to talk more about the book that you and your co-author Tom wrote, as well as the summit that's coming up that people can sign up for right, right away and get involved in this uh, virtual summit. So what was the, the story behind the book? Well, we've been working at No Barriers since 2003. So coming up on nearly 20 years of work at that organization with tens of thousands of individuals from all walks of life. And since the very beginning, we've studied the impact of our programs and used external research to understand what was really you know, going on and the transformation that we were seeing. And 
out of that those years of work, we teased out these seven principles that we believe people who are craving to live a life of purpose but facing barriers all can use to get on track. And we've been teaching those seven principles for the better part of 10 years now and honing them and testing them and researching them. And we've, we've wanted to create a, a resource for really the planet, the world, for how do you live this life um, that you dream to live despite how hard it is. And um, we finally sat down, me and the board president, who's been a part of this organization since the beginning, and said, let's write that book that talks about the principles uh, and talks not only about what we've learned through the work with our tens of thousands of individuals, but shows how this has been the work of philosophers and religious leaders since the beginning of time, shows how current research in terms of how our brains work and operate supports these theories, and most importantly, probably give people their own how-to guide. So, you know, when you read this, you know, short 200-page book, you will have your own how-to guide for how to apply this to your own life so that you can get centered on a purpose-driven life and know what to do when you get off track. Yeah, let's let's just talk briefly about those seven those seven parts. So you've got um, vision, reach, pioneer, rope team, alchemy, summits, and elevate. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so some of them, you can you want to give us the the Cliff Notes version of yeah the yeah I'll give you the Cliff Notes version. Um, vision is this idea that. Um, as Nietzsche said, you know, he who has a why to live for can endure any how. It's the idea that in our darkest times, we have to go back to our core vision for what we see in ourselves and the life we want to lead in order to get through our adversity. And also that vision, which is an enduring vision, it's not any one individual goal. It's not climbing Everest. It's not going out and getting that next job. Those are individual goals, which we call your reach, your next step as you're trying to reach for an an objective. But all of those goals should roll up into an overarching vision for what you're trying to accomplish, either in your whole life or in the next five to 10 years. The vision is enduring. Reach is the idea that you're always stretching into the unknown and trying to push your comfort zone so that you can achieve that vision that you set out to do. Now we talk about rope team. You can't do any of this on your own. You've got to build a strong team around you to help you achieve what you're trying to go for. And we talk about how you build that correct rope team around you. And what's the explain the metaphor of the rope team? Yeah, we do a lot of work. I, I live in Colorado. Uh, a lot of our work has started in Colorado, though we do work all over the world now. Um, and rope team is this idea that when you're on a mountain, a steep mountain, glacial traverses, big, big steep, you know, cliffs, you'll often be roped up. Um, and the idea is that you're roped up as a team and that if any one person falls, the other team members self-arrest, they go down to the ground with their ice axe and they stick it in the ground and that supports the person who's falling. And so what we think of when we think of a rope team is that trust that you have that those other members will catch you when you fall. That that takes a lot of trust. I yeah, mean, I, sure does. I just can think in my own life. There's certain times when I have greater ability to trust in others than, but it takes work to develop that trust. 
It sure does. And I think that one piece, going back to the No Bearers kind of life philosophy of vision and reach and tying in rope team is that oftentimes when we're pursuing our vision and making these stretches outside of our comfort zone and something goes wrong and we're getting vulnerable, we'll often retract into ourselves and not reach out to that rope team around us. And one of the things we teach people to do is to get much more comfortable reaching out in times of strife, because that's when you need it the most, even though your inclination might be to retreat into yourself, either because you're embarrassed, you're not sure, you want to project confidence, you don't want to project vulnerability. But that moment of vulnerability and opening up to those around you actually welcomes in so much positive energy that can propel you forward um, through whatever adversity you're facing. And, and oftentimes it brings in another life element, which we call pioneer, which is this idea that you always are gonna need to seek innovative solutions to the challenges in front of you. And sometimes those innovative solutions are gonna come from other people, from those members of your rope team who introduce you to new ideas and new ways of thinking to break through the challenges that you're, you're facing. Hmm. So pioneer as a verb. Yeah, yeah, to pioneer through your adversity. Yeah. Cool. Okay. So tell us about alchemy. Alchemy is something that um, it comes from the you know very straightforward word, which is you know turning lead into gold, which was the old goal of the alchemists. You know how how might you transform the lead of life, is what we say, into something that is golden and and is really something beautiful. Um, and so alchemy is really where we shift from. Uh, some concrete skills to what we call the development of the right mindset, training your brain to think of the adversities in front of you, not as those things that will hold you back, but perhaps as the pathway forward to help you grow. It's literally this idea that you are hopeful and optimistic, even in the midst of your greatest challenges. Yeah. And a lot of times as you're going through those challenges, or let's just say, as I've been going through my challenges, there's a lot of shame about the, there can be a lot of shame about those challenges. And it's like, I got to keep this thing a secret. Yes. And, um, but you tend to, but as we know from all this, almost all of the great stories, those challenges end up being that, that rich story that makes that person of service to the rest of us. That's, that's why, you know, like Eric, like I wouldn't, he caught my attention on billboards back in the early 2000s first blind person to reach the summit of Mount Everest. And like, it's, it was the challenge of it was Everest and the blindness together. That's what made him helpful to the rest of us. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think there's so much that we have to learn from the vulnerability and the challenges that people face. Um, and we feature that in the book. And, and as you mentioned, we also have this upcoming event on June 26th and 27th, which is you can attend a lot of it for free. If you want to go to every single part of the event, it's only $20, but we feature all these extraordinary people who have um, fought through uh, great adversity and talk about what they have learned. Um, and I think you're right. Like most of us have a tendency to hole up in the midst of our, of our challenges and, um, and not open up to others. And that is one of the most dangerous things we can do. Uh, if you think about what's happening with COVID, a lot of folks are dealing with serious uh, emotional um, challenges right now, mental health challenges. And for many of the people in our community, there's a tendency to, to self-isolate. And uh, that can be 
a dangerous place to go. And so alchemy is this idea of shifting your mindset so that you have a way to, no matter what that obstacle is in your way that is coming up, reframe it and think about it not as the barrier in your way, but perhaps as the opportunity that might fuel your growth. And it's important to note, you know, because I think, you know, people have probably heard this in, in various forms, maybe it's grit, maybe it's resilience, that um, this idea is not about ignoring the fact that these things are hard or not about leaning into them and, and crying and feeling the pain of them. That all has to happen too. But it is a bit of training your mind to think about these things in a different way. And the greatest leaders that we feature in our book and that you can meet at our No Barrier Summit have a way of doing that. It's just kind of this way of turning the lead into gold and being an alchemist. Yeah. And I think, I mean, I think about just about every conversation related to COVID as the example you gave where I, that I've been talking to someone and we were, and they were, the conversation went long enough where we could get a little bit vulnerable. Everybody has been affected at, at, at the mental health level. So, I mean, I, I think if you're, if you can't, if, for the person to say that they, it hasn't caused some kind of mental trauma or extra mental stress that's gotten in the way of ordinary life, um, I'm not sure they're being honest or they haven't they haven't self-reflected. Yeah. And yeah. so, yeah, it's like any, I could see everybody needing to participate in the summit or needing to, pick the, to, to, to get, the, get a hold of the book to just go th- be able to go through challenges in life like COVID and both experience them express do what we need to do to get healing and express the feelings and grieve over the challenges and losses um but then then turn it into gold that yeah that's pretty inspiring yeah i mean at the at the summit that's coming up you can go take a session with marley matlin who's one of you know famous actress also happens to be deaf probably your listeners have heard of her she's teaching a session on how to how to uh, reframe your thinking about adversity. But it, it ranges from that to Josh Blue, who was a NBC's last comic standing years ago and is a comedian who has cerebral palsy and he is hilarious and he makes you laugh about the things that we're going through. Or Karma Brown, who um, is on uh, kind of famous actor, three-time Emmy Award winner from Queer Eye, uh, folks may know him, you know, talking about how to connect with people from diverse backgrounds. Um, you know, the, the folks that are teaching these sessions virtually uh, are pretty incredible in, in their own right. Bethany Hamilton, the surfer who lost her arm to a shark, it just kind of the list just kind of goes on and on. And even if you just have an hour or two on uh, the 26th or 27th to, to pop in and take a session, it's really an extraordinary opportunity. And if you don't have time on the 26th or 27th, you can still uh, buy a $20 ticket and access all of the sessions for 30 days following uh, via our online platform. Fantastic. So in addition to this virtual summit, what tell me what kinds of programs that No Barriers provides. Yeah, so uh, we have for years provided in-person transformative experiences that range from 
short-term retreats to big expeditions all over the world. So we have a whole section of our work that is about uh, sort of full immersion retreats and expeditions that have preparatory work. And then you go somewhere really extraordinary and then you come back and you have work that follows up. So we've taken thousands and thousands of people on these programs all over the world. We do a lot of work in the U.S. as well. In light of COVID, we're contracting a bit to do some of that work more locally than we uh, than we have done in the past where we used to do things all over the world. Although we'll go back to that as soon as we're able. Um, in addition to our uh, in-person transformative experiences. We have uh, online courses that people can go through. And one of the things that I would say for those of you thinking, oh crap, I don't want to do <laughs> online, online course, that's like the worst word ever. Our organization uh, was rooted in, we never did anything online until about three years ago. We did only in-person transformative experiences because we believe so firmly in them. But um, we ended up saying, well, what if we could create some sort of virtual interaction that was truly extraordinary? And so what we've tried to do in all of our programs is create a way where, yes, you consume some content online, but you get offline to go do activities and meet with community members. A lot of the learning that can take place when you're in an in-person session is learning with others. And so we've tried to create that as much as we can in a virtual space where you're not just sitting on your computer consuming content on your own. None of us want to be doing that, especially in light of COVID. So how do you create community and learning using that online to get you started. So that's what we've tried to do. So we have those courses. We do a lot of work in schools. Um, so we have programs for middle and high school students across the nation where um, teachers can lead their students through our curriculum, whether it's in a classroom or uh, in light of COVID, they've been doing some of that in, in a virtual setting as well. Um, so we have curriculum and learning that goes on in the schools uh, in addition to all those experiences that I talked about. So Dave, Alchemy, can you give us any kind of practical tips for putting that principle into practice? Yeah, well, remember that that idea is just uh, this mindset of hope and optimism despite what's in front of us. How can that energy of the adversity actually be the fuel to um, power you forward? So for first and foremost, I would say allow yourself to express your negative feelings. Let them out. Uh, some of our community likes to say that they allow themselves one day to get all the crap out and get it out and let it out and let it out however it's going to come. And then once they've given themselves that 24-hour period, they say, I got to step forward. So allow yourself to express your negative feelings, but give it a time limit. Um, I've got one family that I work with all the time that gives themselves a time limit per week on that. Um, and it's this idea of reframing, okay, I can be negative still, but it's going to be limited in time. Second thing I would say is reframe the situation. Challenge yourself to think about um, the thing that is right in front of you in a different way. So we could take something like the COVID uh, pandemic. Ask yourself, um, what might this pandemic be for you that isn't the negative story? How might you instead say, thank goodness this pandemic happened because without it, I would have never done this. Uh, and then finally, I'd encourage people as they think about whatever challenge might be getting them into a negative space to um, go through a series of activities that um, help you think about what you can control and can't control, focusing not on the things you can't control, but on those that you can, and making a commitment on those things you could control to taking a first step towards doing it. So. 
Um, I think it's really important. And what we find is that when people get caught up in some struggle is they let it consume them and they're often wasting time and energy on things that they cannot control. And the most important thing is, is to take steps towards those things you can control. So those are my three things. Reframe the situation, take steps towards those things you can't control, and don't forget to let that negative out with the intent of putting a time limit on it. Yeah, I was just thinking about the time limit on that. I think it's probably pretty individual based on the specifics. I, I think I, I would have a tendency to short shrift that in, in issues, but I can imagine that there are that there are issues that some people might experience. Let's just say someone who has really complex trauma, let's say extended, they were, you know, sexually abused as a child over you know years and years. You're probably going to need more than one day to grieve and express that. Um, so anyway, it just, yeah, good point. Yeah. So the, the family I mentioned, I work with uh, this woman uh, experienced just what you talked about and actually has a son who was hit by a, uh, hit and run driver and is paralyzed from the waist down as a uh, father who committed suicide, pretty serious trauma. And her family's principle actually is not uh, 24 hours. It's three days. You're allowed to have three days where you go into the darkness and let out whatever emotions you need to. And then you got to move beyond it. Not exactly sure how often they allow it to have those three days, but to your point, I mean, significant trauma, right? Imagine, uh, you know, having sexual trauma, losing your father to a suicide, having your son get hit by a hit and run driver. Like this is pretty serious stuff. Um, and, and yet this is the family who, you know, teaches that principle of put some term limits on it because otherwise you're going to spend way too much time in that space. Yeah. There's a, there's a grieving and healing process and you need to figure out what, what your needs are in that. But at some point just, um, talking about it is not actually getting you, getting your needs met. You're just sort of, you tend to make yourself mad. I can think of even just the trauma in my life. You know, you just, at some point, the more you talk about it, you're just making yourself mad and hurt over and over again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's a, there's a principle that, you know, many folks teach and we teach about it too, which is called rumination, which is this idea that you just get in this cycle and it keeps going over and over in your head and you can't get out of it. And there's lots of tips that we teach about just getting out of that cycle. Right. <laughs> and one of the first one is putting a, Eliminated is like, don't let, you know, just tell yourself I'm only going to work on this for this period of time. And then I'm going to just divert my attention to something else for a while. Okay. That's a, that's a very good, um, dif uh, distinction there. So rumination on the one end is taking it a little bit too far. And what, what's, what would you, the healthy side is, is just express uh, expression and grief. Yeah. Yeah. Anger, grief, all the cycles of, that you go through there, you know, frustration and uncertainty, like express that, be vulnerable with it, but don't spend all your time in that space. Um, and uh, if you are feeling like you're spending all that time in that space, uh, try to pick, you know, something to distract you, you know, lean on your rope team in our own language, go try something new that, that pushes you outside of your comfort zone, try something that makes you laugh. Uh, just try to get yourself out of that cycle and this idea of alchemy, which we're talking about, I said, is really a mindset. And, and the people that we use to teach this talk about it, it's, it's literally retraining your brain because our brain tends to go into these patterns of rumination. And how do you retrain your brain so you recognize it's happening and you have some, some concrete things you can do to just get out of that? Yeah, that's good. And then, as you said, focus on the things that you can control and 
yeah. except the things you can't control. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, one of the features in our, our book that we um, talk quite a bit about is uh, Viktor Frankl and his work, which um, forms the basis of this idea that, you know, you have to have vision and purpose to get through great adversity. Viktor Frankl survived the Holocaust, but many of his family members died. Um, and he says something to the effect of, uh, in his work, between stimulus and response, there's a space. And in that space is our power to choose. And in that choice is our freedom. And so you've got the stimulus coming at you that might be this really negative thing happening in your life. And there's a space between when that thing happens and the choice you have about how you're going to respond to it. And his point is that um, in that space is, is a big choice you have to make. Uh, you can go into that space and go extremely negative and go down a pretty dark hole, or you can choose a different path. Um, and that's what we try to get people to do is choose a different path. Yeah, that's good. You know, Stephen Covey used to say that he read Viktor Frankl's book, Man's Search for, for Meaning. He read it every year. And um, it's because some of those principles like that, you read the book. It's a short re read, a very, it's a, it's a, it's not nearly as depressing as it sounds. It's a, it's a inspiring <laughs> book and it's a relatively quick read. And um, you read it and you're like, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And then if you read it a year later, you realize I have, I have some ongoing work to do in that area. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I think it's so true. Yeah, and, and my hope is that those uh, listeners who go and read our book, you know, we envision our book being sort of this tattered book that you go back to and you think, oh yeah, like I'm at a point in my life where I got to remember that. What was that? What were the tips that they gave me for how I could actually go do that? Because I want to go and apply those principles. Um, and I think that in just kind of finishing up here with, with our book, um, I would say that one of the things I'm really proud of with the book is that uh, someone I really admire uh, and have known for many years, uh, Dr. Jane Goodall, who talks a lot about um, what she calls the indomitable human spirit. Um, she read our book and gave a very powerful endorsement of it where she talks about the, the indomitable human spirit is one of the most profound reasons for hope for humanity's future. Um, and she says when she read our book, or, or I'll, I'll quote her, when you've read our book and been moved and uplifted, you will realize that you too have some of that indomitable spirit and that you too can overcome the barriers that loom ahead in your life. Yeah. Dave, we had two more elements in the overall philosophy. Can you tell us about summits and elevate? Yeah. So summits is this idea that we're often rushing through life and, you know, challenge after challenge, accomplishment after accomplishment, and we seldom take the time to pause and reflect on what we call your summits. It comes again from the mountains because we were born in the mountains of Colorado. When you're hiking in the mountains of Colorado, you'll often get to high points where you can look out and you'll see multiple summits all around, summits being those other high points. And it gives you a sense of the grandeur of how far you or others have come. And so it's this beautiful idea that you know we, we need to take time out of our everyday lives to reflect on how much we have done and how far we have come and what we've learned from those pivotal moments. And then finally, elevate ties right back to vision. It's our, it's our seventh element and it brings it back to your vision. I, I mentioned that we all need to have a vision for ourselves that's enduring, that is about more than just any one goal. And at No Barriers, 
what we have seen in our work is that those people who have a vision that is actually about more than just themselves, that is about elevating others or the world around them, about making others stronger or better, about making the world a better place, that if your vision incorporates that into it, you will have more fuel to kind of an energy to get you through life and to give back in ways that you could never before imagine. And so Elevate is where we come back to folks and say, is there a way that your vision could be as much about you and your own vision for yourself as it is about your vision for helping others in the world? Yeah, it's interesting. So there's a connection there. Your your definition of a vision is something that inspires you to, a purpose that inspires you to give your best back to the world. Um, but it, it kind of starts with it starts with you, I guess, and then Elevate is is really making sure you have a bit of a lens about being a, a, a servant leader. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. And our work with, with companies, for example, um, we talk about that idea of servant leadership and how do you help others be their best. Um, and in our work with kids, we certainly teach that same principle, but we, we talk about Elevate and the, and the idea of how can you make your life about more than you so that you can give back to the world and make it a better place. So that idea of elevate being more than just ourselves is really important um, for a few reasons. One is that if you look at the research, and, and again, this comes from current research as well as the ancient wisdom of the greatest philosophers, those, of, uh, those people who have dedicated their lives to something more than themselves, whether it's to others or the world, you know, making the world a better place, often uh, are happier and more fulfilled um, than those who haven't. And so that it has both a good for the world vibe to it, but it's also good for your, for you as an individual to, to be thinking about a vision that is about more than yourself. No barriers has been around long enough that I imagine some of your youth are, are no longer youth. So your original, your first youth, right? Yeah. So do you have stories, any stories, uh, either of people coming back and serving in, in your organization in some way or otherwise going on to do cool stuff? Oh, yeah. We had a, a student from uh, inner city Chicago who came to one of our programs uh, when she had just entered high school, so you know, 14 years old. Uh, she had never left a few mile radius of her you know, home community in Chicago. It was a very rough neighborhood. Um, and she went on our uh, through one of our programs, and it and it taught her to dream really big for herself. And uh, she went on to be uh, what's called a Millennial Gates Scholarship Award winner. So you you can go to any college in the world that you choose to, and you're, it's fully funded. And so she earned that scholarship, came back to Chicago, and is now back in communities trying to help make them better than they uh, were for her growing up. Um, we had a student who went on one of our programs uh, as a, again, as a, he was probably 13, and he was a a deaf student with uh, cochlear implants, which enable you to actually hear in, in, a, in a certain way. And he went on to be super successful in college and he came back to be an intern at our organization as one of our strongest volunteers and advocates and ambassadors. So you see this cycle of kids coming in in middle school and high school being truly transformed, which was always my vision is to like get, get folks really early where you have the ability to forever impact the trajectory of their life. And then they, they write you these beautiful letters or they come back and visit and they say what that moment meant to them and how it really did shift 
how they thought about themselves and the world around them and, and change the tra- trajectory of their lives. That's really cool. Those are great stories. So the book again is What's Within You, Your Roadmap to a Life with No Barriers. Dave, where can people get their hands on this book? Amazon.com. And for the first week, so I'm not exactly sure when this episode is coming out, but from June 23rd to June 30th, it will be on sale for 99 cents before it goes up to its normal price. So I encourage you to check it out on amazon.com. Just search what's within you. You can always go to nobarriersusa.org and click on the book tab to find it there as well. And tell us how can people sign up for the virtual summit? Virtual summit, you can go to nobearersusa.org and click on the summit and, and sign up. Like I mentioned earlier, you can sign up for a complete free event. That'll get you into our big stage events where you have big keynote speakers and performers. Uh, and you can go to a couple of the activities, but for just $20, you can access all of the activities and get that 30-day access after the event to all the programming that you may have missed because you couldn't get it done in just a couple of days. All right. So where in doubt, just Google no barriers or go to nobarriersusa.org and you, you can got get, it. get the book and the summit. Yeah. Terrific. Well, Dave, it's really been great to reconnect and hear about what's going on with your organization. Are you on any social media that where people can stay up to date on what you're working on? Yeah, of course. I mean, the, the organization No Barriers is on all social media, No Barriers Facebook, No Barriers Instagram, No Barriers LinkedIn, what a Twitter. So you can stay tuned to all that. And then you can certainly look me up on LinkedIn, Dave Sherna, and stay tuned to exactly what I'm listening to. Fantastic. All right. Thanks for joining us on the show today. Oh, it's been just a real pleasure to reconnect and hear about your work as well. So thanks for having me. All right, Engagers, that wraps up this episode. We'll provide all the information that Dave mentioned about No Barriers on the show notes for this episode, including we forgot to mention the podcast that Dave and his uh, co-founder, Eric Weinmayer, produced together, the No Barriers podcast. A lot of great guests on that. I think you'll really enjoy that. So be sure to check that out and we'll provide a link to that. Or you can certainly find it in all podcast directories. Of course, it's all available on their website at nobarriersusa.org, but we'll put all the links in our show notes, which you can find at engagingleader.com forward slash 211 as in episode 211. This is a production of Workforce Communication. We are a team of consultants and creatives using the power of communication to help organizations enhance the well-being and performance of their people. My colleagues and I partner with mid-sides and large employers to attract top talent, fully engage employees, and achieve superior business results. In several areas, including employer branding, talent management, wellness, benefits and compensation, business transformation, and more. Find us at WorkforceCommunication.com. Our thanks to Betsy Leahy, our production assistant, Jamie Barnes, Tom Hitchcock, and Jenny Kalenda from our social media team, JJ Leahy from our video and graphic design team, and Rick Tarrant, our announcer. Until next time, remember, in the 21st century, the real movers and shakers aren't just leaders, they're engagers.